Be careful! This place is crawling with biker scouts! Don't worry, they don't match for us, you are! From Kenner's Star Wars Return of the Jedi collection, New Wicked W.R.C. and Princess Nisa, each sold separately. Quiet, Nisa, here comes a biker scout! Ayala! Let's go! Ebanga! He's gaining on us! New Wicked W. Warwick and Princess Nisa each sold separately from Kenner's Star Wars Return of the Jedi Collection. Available at Jet's Toy Hut. The largest selection of Star Wars collectibles in stock on Amazon. And the best hand-packed zero-movement packing and shipping online. ToyHut.com All too easy. Yub yub? You have a better than 50% chance of enjoying this episode. I'm Kevin Leeson. One of today's hosts is a cancer survivor. Hint. In your face, cancer! I'm Torin Atkinson. Who knew there could be a dark downside to being a chimney sweep? I'm Dr. Rob Tarswell. This show is as best as we could make it. I'm Joe Fulgham, and this is Caustic Soda. It's the Caustic Soda Podcast! Star, that's what I'm here to do. So it makes me very hungry to introduce to you Dr. Rob Tarswell. But now let's get things started. Why don't you get things started? It's time to get things started on the informational, aberrational, strangulational, nauseational strap in for the Caustic Soda Show. The word origin of cancer comes from Latin, a crab, uh, which later came to mean malignant tumor from the Greek carcinos, hmm. which, like the modern English word, has three meanings, crab, tumor, and the zodiac constellation. I wonder how, how did crabs and, and cancer become... The same word? Yeah. The magic of the English language. <laughs> Some crazy doctor. That thing in there is kind of crab-shaped, or it's moving sideways, or it's tasty when mm. dipped in melted butter. It tastes just like crab, this uh-huh. malignant tumor. And our special guest, bum, medical bum, bum, expert, bum. Dr. Rob, Rob Carswell. Thanks for having me back. First and foremost, this episode is not the Duma episode. No. It's not the Duma. That's exactly right, Arnold. <laughs> we'll have a separate tumor episode where we can talk about just tumors, specifically. Yeah. Cancerous but- or non-cancerous. Yeah. I suppose you could say that episode will be non-neoplastic tumors. Mm-hmm. Neo meaning new and plastic meaning plastic. Ooh, that was the first issue of the Fantastic Four. It had neoplastic man in it. Ah. Oh. Neoplastic from neoplasia. Oh. Plasia meaning growth. Oh, a new growth. Mm-hmm. Not right. like those old growths. That's the like, medically word for yeah. cancer. The old growths would be Being like your hair and, and bones yeah. and <laughs> skin. The phobia of cancer? Who knows? Uh, carcinophobia? That's correct. Oh, that was going to be my guess, too. Yeah. <laughs> also cancerophobia. Air high-fiving. <laughs> All right, I got a pop quiz before we get into the Oh, pop the quiz right out of the gate. All right, I'm ready. Uh, oncology. Okay, the study of cancer, yeah. Yeah. I know that because uh, because Wilson from House is an oncologist. I know it because I had a longtime girlfriend who was a nurse in the pediatric oncology de- department. Oh, that's got to be one hospital. of the saddest places in the world. I think I may have even told this story before, but she was a terrible girlfriend because whenever I got sick, like a cold or a flu, and I'd ask for some sympathy, and she'd go, at least you don't have cancer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you don't get to play that card too many times. So she did it to me like three times. <laughs> yeah, and then you do get cancer, and she feels like crap. Oh, if only I could have gotten cancer and rubbed it in her face. Yeah, one time. Oh, she, oh. Then she'd say, at least you're not a kid with cancer. <laughs> Girl! And uh, the word oncology comes from uh, modern Latin onco, meaning tumor. From the Greek, a mass or bulk. Oh, so I'm onco. Yeah, you're a bit onco- onco-ish. <laughs> you're a bit bulky. Teletherapy. Uh, that's when you call a guy and say, hey, get better. <laughs> I mean, well, tele means distance, right? Like far. So th- yeah. uh, far therapy. I don't even, how would you? Yeah, I'm with Joe. Teletherapy <laughs> is typically a, another term for telemedicine done over TVs or video links. <laughs> Unless I you did... have some 
Like I get that for like psychiatry, but how do you cure cancer or or even treat cancer over the phone? Well, radiation delivered at a distance. Does that make sense? As opposed to radiation... Cobalt-60 and linear accelerators are teletherapy machines. Okay. More more commonly, we just refer to them as radiotherapy. All right. Yeah. Aberrant crypt foci. Aberrant Uh, crypt. Aberrant meaning uh, strange. It it happens in a graveyard. (laughs) Wow. I I know what all three of those mean, but... Not even a guess from Uh, Kevin? It's the magic wand that you find inside the lich's treasure at the bottom of his crypt. It is. The, it's really oddly shaped. That's it, why it's aberrant. It's the cancer you get on Halloween from eating too much candy. <laughs> Dr. Rob? Well, crypts are found in the uh, bowel, and an aberrant focus would be an abnormal growth of uh, cells contained within one of the mucosal crypts. That's right. Clusters of abnormal tube-like glands in the lining of the colon and rectum. Fun. Uh, They form before uh, colorectal polyps and are one of the earliest changes seen in the colon that leads, uh, that may lead to cancer. Take that. Good times. No, I don't, I don't want to take that. (laughs) I really, really don't. Laser therapy. Well, there's not much we can do. Shoot him in the head with his laser. (laughs) (laughs) At least the pain is gone. What is laser therapy? Well, some kinds of cancers, particularly on the skin or, uh, say, within the eye, could be treated with basically laser coagulation. You melt them. Okay. Mm. Burn them and melt them. If I got to get any sort of cancer treatment, that sounds like the one. Yeah, the light seems to be the safest thing. They can shoot at you. <laughs> like you don't want any of that high radiation stuff that much. I suppose that depends. If you'd rather have the tumor, then you shouldn't get the radiation. Oh, okay. Oh, wait, this is not a tumor episode. Pardon me. <laughs> well, there are cancerous tumors. We, can, we, can't, we can't talk about cancers without tumors. Is that correct? That's essentially yes, right. How do tumors work? The basic definition of cancer is a new growth of cells or a new proliferation which continues long after the stimulation for growth has stopped. Typically, what will start a cancer, there there are sort of a number of steps. There have to be changes within the genome itself, and there are two types of cancer genes or oncogenes. There are tumor promoters Mm -hmm. and tumor inhibitors. So there's like a gas pedal and a brake. And what ends up happening is certain regulatory genes, which regulate the normal growth of cells, get a bit out of whack. And normal rates of growth are gone. Normal pre-programmed cellular death doesn't happen, or apoptosis, that's called. And things just grow and grow and And grow. And the signal from headquarters is, okay, grow and multiply, grow and multiply, grow and multiply. And this happens so rapidly that the cells themselves mutate rapidly while they're changing. That is a process known as dedifferentiation. So cancer can arise from literally any cell line in the body, mature or immature cell lines. One of the hallmarks of cancer is that the cells lose their initial structure and function. And as the growth proliferates, there's more and more dedifferentiation, which speeds up cancer growth until you have what we would call anaplastic. Which is basically cancer. a cancer snowball effect? You could sort of think of it like that, yeah. Mm. And that's not good for you? No, those are real bad ones. And uh, how many different kinds of cancer are there? It's probably better to just think about broad categories. So cancers of epithelial origin... Are what what does that mean? What does that word mean? Epithelial cells are cells that line structures. Okay. So uh-huh. you could think of the lining in the mucosal lining in your mouth okay. or the lining in your GI tract or the dermal layer of your skin. Okay. And those are carcinomas. And there are basically two types of carcinomas, carcinomas and adenocarcinomas, which arise from glandular cells in epithelial linings. Against that are what we call the sarcomas, which are cancers that arise from connective tissue, so bone, fat blood vessels, muscle. So there's two kinds of cancers then? Two broad divisions. Two broad divisions. Okay. But within those, there's like for every different kind of cell you could possibly have in your whole body, there's a different kind of cancer? Cancer can literally arise from any cell in your body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, of course, there are the the blood cancers, which would be like the lymphomas and the leukemias. Okay. Well, we'll talk about that more a little bit later. Oh, last item on this pop quiz that I forgot about. Mm -hmm. J-pouch coloanal anastomosis. J-pouch? Yeah. That's where I keep my chewing tobacco. Uh, J-Pouch is a place where you hide your marijuana when you're going to a concert. <laughs> okay. So nice. they don't find it when they frisk you. That's a better answer. Yeah. Rob, do you know what J-Pouch coloanal anastomosis is? Well, I'm assuming the J stands for jejunum or jejunal pouch. A coloanal anastomosis would be, say you have 
rectal cancer, and so you have to lose your rectum or part of your colon. Ooh, that's nastomosis. Well, the nastomosis is the connection of the piping directly to the anus. Like as in one of those uh, piping bags that, uh, that, you that do cooks use? To, cakes. To, to put, put your icing on your cake. To put little rose That is the on. icing on the cake. And the use of the pouch would be to make a, uh, a, new, a new rectum. Damn, oh. I killed him. Oh, I was hoping we were not going to get into that joke. I felt so good when you talked about rectum like twice before and nobody jumped in on that easy joke. And then there it is. Yeah, that's it. Uh, so J-Pouch colonial, <laughs> colonial, no wait, coloanal <laughs> is a surgical procedure in which the colon is attached to the anus after the rectum has been removed. A two to four inch section of the colon is formed into a J-shaped pouch in order to replace the function of the rectum and store stool until it can be eliminated. No. Oh, is that pouch internal? Oh, like, yeah. I don't, okay, and then yeah. do, is there a plug on that? How does that Well, that's work? what your anus does. Your anus is the plug. Oh, so you still, still have the, you still have your own sphincter yeah. muscles that, yeah. that close it up. I okay. mean, sometimes that has to come out, too, depending on if it's involved a tumor or not, and then you're Now, in any other show, I would not ask this question. When it does come out, what do they have to do? Well, that's when you're looking at a uh, an ostomy bag. Oh. Yeah, I had a friend who had one. Not good times. No. I had a friend who was one. <laughs> hey. Guy was a total doesn't... shit. And uh, here's the Why next... did you look at me when you said that? <laughs> oh. You're not his friend. <laughs> All right, here's the next uh, quiz. Uh, I'm going to give you celebrities, and you t- tell me what kind of cancer they had. Ooh, okay. All right, okay. Walt Disney. Brain cancer. Liver cancer. Lung cancer. Ah, uh, he was always I smoking. I should have made that guess. Was he smoking? Always smoking. Oh, yeah, there was always smoke when he was, like, introducing the shows on Sunday night. Eartha Kitt. Lung cancer. Breast cancer? I don't know who Eartha Kitt is. <laughs> what? Let me say lymphoma. She's the original Catwoman. She was one of three original well, Catwomen. Cat <laughs> it was colon cancer. That was relatively rare in women, I thought. Colon cancer? No, it's uh, about equal distribution between males and females. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Learn something every day. Yeah, it's one of the more common cancers. It doesn't cancers. discriminate. No? All right. Patrick Swayze. Oh, that was uh, pancreatic. Yeah, you got it. Pancreatic is particularly nasty, isn't it, Dr. Rob? Yeah, especially adenocarcinomas of the pancreas. Yeah. Or cancers that arise. I mean, the, the, the pancreas is essentially, uh, it's got endocrine and exocrine functions. In other words, it secretes a lot of different stuff. Secrete, secrete. So it's... <laughs> Full of glandular tissue, and um, any of those can uh, give rise to tumors. And it's unfortunately, it just happens to be in a pretty exquisite location. Oh, you know, exquisite. I like the use of the word. Where, um, But this is in a bad way. <laughs> <laughs> right. So it's involved with uh, a lot of uh, major blood vessels, drainage from the uh, liver. Yeah, internal um, function. Yeah. It's in a pretty bad spot yeah, it's, for a big tumor to start Exquisite such a nice positive word, you know, like it's an, an exquisite display of art. But th- that's where you don't want a big malignant growth showing up. Th- this is when you take your car into the mechanic and they tell you that you fuel pump has gone bad and you know that it's going to cost you a shitload of money because they got to take the entire tank out they yeah. got to like it's never an easy operation <laughs> the transmission's in the way let's go over to john wayne 1979 uh, that has That's got gotta be lung cancer yes that is correct lung, okay. oh, lung okay. cancer. he was a smoker too frank zappa 1993 brain uh, cancer i think it was brain cancer wasn't it I don't know. Again, I haven't got a clue. I mean, you can take guesses, though. <laughs> These guys are just guessing. I mean, come on, come on, at least throw in some really exquisite sounding cancers. <laughs> okay, sure. Osteosarcoma. It was prostate cancer. Isn't that the number one cancer that, that males In get? elder men, yeah. Okay. Is, is osteo bone cancer? Yeah. Oh, there you go. Nice. Mm. So technically it was right. Ah, um, uh, no. Because no. <laughs> that's his bone. The prostate invades the, prostate? the bones. It metastasizes pretty readily, but no, it's not a bone cancer. Steve Jobs. Pancreatic. But it wasn't... He didn't have an adenocarcinoma. Adenocarcinoma. He got lucky. He had a... A million billion dollars. Adeno. I can't remember what it was. I was reading it the other day. He had a GAPNET, which is a gastroenteropancreatic neuroendocrine tumor. Wow. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say the more syllables in your cancer, the worse it is. Well, actually, if, you, if you're going to get any cancer of the pancreas, that's the one to get. Oh, yeah. All right. Because there it's very treatable. It's actually, I mean, there's a, there's, a, there's a curative potential if you catch it early. Okay. Yeah. There's a lot of talk about Steve Jobs may have delayed uh, his treatment, 
using actual medicine in order to try a diet. I think the the word is, we haven't got a confirmation on this, that he waited like nine months trying this magic diet to cure his cancer mm. before he switched over to the chemo. Or no, he couldn't switch to chemo. He had to get the operation. Was he, it he light magic or dark magic? <laughs> it was Black not, magic? It was, uh, ineffective either in, way. Ineffective <laughs> magic, yeah. Oh, okay. And he ended matter. up having to get a Whipple procedure initially, which is... Whipple? Where, yeah, they take so out your nipple because of where the pancreas lives. That's a surgical procedure where they take out a big chunk of pancreas. They take mm-hmm. out a big chunk of your stomach. What does my pancreas do? It secretes well digestive enzymes is its main job. So if it gets cancer, what happens to me? If it gets cancer, what ends up happening is it starts growing and it lives near things like the biliary tree. It lives near the aorta. It lives That's near- where I card my initials. <laughs> Uh, it lives near the inferior vena cava, so it can start invading those major blood vessels. Uh, you could bleed to death abdominally. Internally? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's my worst, my least favorite kind of bleeding. Or if you get obstruction of the uh, biliary tract, then you can have basically a, a backup of liver secretion and you can get jaundiced. Mm. Oh, yeah. I, I heard about that. Like you can, like They have to like figure out how to unjam your bile or whatever. And uh, the liver's uh, function starts to decline. And to unbile your jam. <laughs> And then you get lots of nasty things like ammonia building up in your blood, Ugh. and that gives you delirium. Ooh, good for cleaning it, floors, though. <laughs> just, so just about any bad thing you can think of uh, cancer doing, uh, pancreatic can do it. Oh, okay. So would you say it's the worst cancer to get? It's the one that I fear the most. It's the one I would least want to have. Hmm. All right. That's a three to six month I death am, sentence. I am crossing it off my Christmas. And not a particularly pleasant death either. Painful? Extremely. I had a short interview with my friend Marielle before uh, we were recording this, and she was 25 when she was diagnosed with cancer, and we'll listen to that right now, and then we can talk about it afterwards. My, my full name is Marielle Co. Hello. When did you get cancer? I Well, I don't know when I got it. I know when I found out that sure. I had it, Let's do but that. I don't, <laughs> uh, it was April of 2010. I found out the week I started school and the week I moved into a new apartment. So it was one of the most stressful weeks I've ever had. (laughs) Yeah, life sucks. Also, you have cancer. Yeah, also. (laughs) How did you find out? It was right before I started school. And so I was trying to overworking myself to make as much money as I could before I went to school. After a while, I noticed that I had a really, really uh, severe pain in my back. Oh. And... I thought it was work-related. I was like, oh, I'm working so much. It must be like because you know of all this stressful work and stuff. After a couple of weeks, I noticed that I, wouldn't, I wasn't able to go to sleep without three Advil extra strengths. And okay. I was like, that's, that's pretty weird. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I've been doing this for a couple of weeks. And then I started to notice a weird uh, lump right above my right clavicle, so oh. right under my neck. I got weirded out by it because it started to, I, I started to think that it was related. I went to the doctors over at the emergency room in UBC. Yeah. And then it took like three weeks of tests and biopsies, which was almost like the worst part. I think the biopsies were horrible. Oh, yeah? and I had a biopsy. It doesn't seem like that would be the worst part. Well, a biopsy really just means that they need a biological sample yeah. of you. And so that could mean a number of different things. And my biopsies were just kind of horrible experiences. They didn't just took, cut out a bit of you and sew you up? Oh, they did, but they didn't freeze the area properly. And oh, I was no. And... <laughs> And there were some, like, student nurses there who didn't oh, really good. know what they were doing. They couldn't find what they were looking for. And I had a bone marrow biopsy as well, and I was awake for that, that too. That sounds terrible. It was horrible. The biopsies were the worst <laughs> <Okay>. part. <laughs> um, and what but, kind of cancer did you have? I found out that I had Hodgkin's lymphoma. Hodgkin's and lymphoma, lymphoma is a blood cancer. It's um, Leukemia is... The cancer of the red blood cells and lymphomas, uh, cancer of the white blood cells. And the lump on my neck, it wasn't really a tumor. It was more that uh, my lymph nodes under my neck were freaking out so much because right. of because of my cancer. So that was the mysterious lump on my neck. And so how long was the treatment? I had 12 treatments of chemotherapy every other Friday. So it took me about six months to do the whole thing. And what was chemotherapy like? Ugh, was it, it like, was... like a Candyland <laughs> skipping da- through daisies? Yeah. If, if, uh, if Candyland is a monotone world full of the most boring, inane candies you've ever <laughs> heard of. No, cast- like, chemo was just really boring. It wasn't difficult 
but you didn't wish it was more exciting. It was just, it was just really, really boring. Like it just made me really sleepy all the time. It just tanked my energy levels like consistently. And so I just really didn't have like the energy to do a lot of stuff. I stayed in school while I was uh, doing chemotherapy. And so most of my energy was what little I had was dedicated to focusing on school. And did all of your hair fall out? It didn't really. The doctors told me that my hair would start to fall out maybe like 10 days after my first treatment. And sure enough, like around 10 days after my first treatment, I, I was taking a shower late at night and I noticed I had really long hair before I started my treatment, like came down to my chest and I, I was brushing my hair and I noticed that like there was a lot of hair coming out with, with my brush. And so I like took a little chunk of hair and I, I pulled on it and it all came out wow. and I had, I had a little freak out. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> No matter how many times people tell you that it's going to happen or how many stories you read and how, how much you mentally prepare yourself, it, it doesn't do justice to living the situation. So so I, I freaked out. I knew it would happen, but I freaked out anyways. It happened on like a Tuesday or Wednesday, and then following Friday, I just got my head shaved. I sure. just didn't want to deal with it, and so I just yep. got a hairdresser to nuke it. Uh, shave my head. And very, you got to pretend that you were Captain Picard. Yeah, for, <laughs> for a little while. I didn't. I don't really have the same look as him. <laughs> little off, but it was. You but know, you have the same nice. commanding, authoritative. Make it so. I did have my fair share of tea, hot Earl Grey. Excellent. <laughs> and so, how did it all turn out? Great. I found out on Christmas Eve that my treatment worked its magic and that I didn't have any signs of cancer in my body. So, as my mom said, it was the best Christmas present ever. <laughs> but it was overall a, a pretty horrible experience. You wouldn't recommend uh, the people get cancer just for the experience? Oh, no. No, not really. I mean, it's... I still have doctor's appointments every two or three months. I have to go back for a blood test, yeah. an x-ray, and an appointment with my oncologist to make sure that it's it's not coming back because cancer has like a huge, huge chance of, of coming yeah. back even if chemo has done its job and everything. So yeah. I kind of want to keep tabs on that. And did you or did you not get superpowers from the radiation? There was like one time when I was in school and I like ripped the doorknob off of a door and I was like, this must be the chemo superpowers <laughs> kicking in, guys. I think I have super strength. Ah, nice. <laughs> but that was the only sign so far. Doorknobs beware. Well, thanks for talking with me and us. No problem. Thank you, Torn. And good luck at your next appointment. What are the holes in the story, Rob? <laughs> <laughs> She's making it up. No, that that's pretty much how it goes. Now, um, I always hear about non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. What's the difference between Hodgkin's, which is what Marielle had, and non-Hodgkin's, which is what uh, Mario Lemieux had? The difference has come down to certain aspects of the cellular machinery and the cell receptors that... It gets into kind of really boring details that histopathologists get into. Um, Those are snake scientists, them. right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> histopathologists are pathologists who specialize in looking at cellular level okay. distinctions. Right. Or hematopathologists who look at blood, specifically blood cells. Uh, but typically, for someone who's got cancer, who goes to the BC Cancer Agency, there are pathologists there who just specialize in, uh, in, in cancer diagnosis. The main difference from a treatment and a patient point of view is you would almost always rather have Hodgkin's disease because it's highly curable. I mean, so you get a roughly 80% chance of cure from Hodgkin's disease. Okay. Whereas if you look at something like non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, of which there are different kinds, depending on which sort of cells they're arising from, you're looking in the 15 to 20% cure neighborhood. Oh, quite wow. a market difference. That is a definite Go Hodgkin's. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Yeah, that's not going to be our lesser two evils. <laughs> Hodgkin's or not Hodgkin's. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, you know, I, you, I, like, well, I like living on the edge, taking a chance. <laughs> Hodgkin's I want to write a book about my experiences, and I have a really boring life. Did you guys know that I have also had cancer surgery? What? No. No, I did not. Oh, well, it was very exciting. Do you want to see my scar? Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> I do. I did not know. I swear I did not know this. Holy crap. Torn oh, has a scar on his back. That's, a, that's from me. Uh, let, uh, let me get a picture of that for everybody. Make sure to frame in the back hair. <laughs> what exactly was that, Torn? Is it a uh, little, uh, little, little questionable skin cell? Yeah, little... it was a mole, a cancerous mole. What do they call that? Melanoma? Was it melanoma? I believe so. 
Mm. I wasn't paying attention. All right. <laughs> the cancer, great. Okay. Uh, it because it must be all the it must be all the sun tanning that you do, Tom. Right. <laughs> I mean, I would I would guess it was melanoma. You can also get uh, squamous cell carcinoma and basal cell carcinoma on the skin. I don't remember the word squamous. I would have I would have remembered that. I think. Right. right. Yeah, so but it's it was, a nice HP Lovecraft. Yeah, it's a nice Lovecraft it was dark, word. dark, and growing, and a bit ratty, ratty looking. Or they, I actually never saw a picture of it, or you know, because it's on my back. Okay. So how did you decide to go in and get it checked out? Well, my doctor referred me to a dermatologist. And and a dermatologist looked at me and looked at all my many constellations of moles. <laughs> and I said, oh, we'll take a biopsy of this one. And then it came back uh, positive, I guess, which, of course, in the medical community is a bad thing. Uh-huh. And uh, so it's they funny said, that way. <laughs> it's positive. You have I, cancer. I have negative news. You're positive. <laughs> and uh, so I went in to get the whole area around it uh, carved out. All right. And now I have to go back, much like uh, Marielle, I have to go back every like six months or so to get oh, how, checked um, out. Okay. So just, uh, I just go to a dermatologist regularly because to look after my many moles. Hmm. It's a full-time job, really. And now mm-hmm. I get to play the, uh, hey, I had can- I have cancer, you know, card at, uh, whenever things nice. are going my way. Whenever you need to get through a lineup or... Yeah, uh, exactly. Uh, cancer survivor right here. <laughs> can, you, can you get one of those things for your car so you can park in the handicap spot? Ooh. I had cancer oh, once. Can I? <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Rob? <laughs> uh, probably not now that you've told the whole world that it's just a mole on <laughs> your back. Uh, my dad had cancer. He's a uh, prostate cancer survivor. Oh, really? Oh. Full remission. Oh, good. Oh, yeah. He uh, went in for a radical prostatectomy. Hey. And again, starts with radical. Not that <laughs> not, good. Not, that, not as good not as it sounds. Yeah. Radical. <laughs> it actually wasn't. It was just a regular one. But the guy was like a total 80s doctor. We're going to give you a radical. No, he was Doogie Howser. Yeah. <laughs> now, when they say remission, what does that mean exactly? In theory, that means you have no neoplastic cells left in your body. Right. Pragmatically, that's very difficult to determine unless you can somehow scan every single cell in somebody's body well exactly yeah i mean um they probably in this situation probably just meant where they had seen the cells there were now were no longer any left yeah and i mean by the time you get to a a clump of cells say the size of a a ballpoint in a ballpoint pen you're you're already looking at a million cells Mm -hmm. which is plenty enough to set the forest back on fire don't they just have like a scanner you can step in and it'll automatically detect all cancers in your body? I'd be wonderful if that was the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the, the, the type of cancer that, that you had, if they were worried that it had spread, you might be sent for a uh, metastatic workup. I don't know if that happened in your case. I don't think so. I don't know what that is. That's when the... if, if I had say, metastatic cling, though. If the, <laughs> if the depth of your melanoma gets below about 0.6 millimeters. Oh, no. They said it was it was relatively shallow. So Okay. So yeah. like a Breslow 1? Did they tell, talk about Breslow? Breslow, yeah. <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> really, it's the depth because as soon as that melanoma gets through what we call the basement membrane underneath the dermal layer of cells, it's gotten loose in, uh, in your body. And melanoma is extremely prolific, rapidly multiplying cancer that can end up in literally any organ in your body. Did anybody else's skin just get all crawly when he started mentioning, like, the cancer being on the surface? It's okay, we can cut that out. And then when it gets down there and I just, all of a sudden, parts of my body started going, you're feeling this part of your body. It might be cancer (laughs) heading inside. And I was like, ah! No, melanoma is a a terrible cancer and it's a cancer that kills young people, which is why we're always harping on you about sunscreen and shirts and hats. And And Popeye's candy cigarettes instead of the regular kind. (laughs) Yes, uh, although that's not specifically melanoma related, but that's another very good idea but not too many so you get obese and diabetic oh god there's always a catch there's always a catch um but the way we would say if if we were worried about an advanced uh workup for melanoma that would probably include a pet ct scan oh i didn't get any scans of that variety right where we'd inject you with sort of... Or is that for my pet? Yeah, I was about to say, the pet CT scan, that's where you stick your dog in the machine, and then they can tell from that whether or not you have cancer. <laughs> cancer. <laughs> right? how, how big and brown and droopy the eyes are. Yeah, it's just it's the uh, the modern version of uh, when the ancient Greeks used to look through like the intestines of goats. Well, you know those dogs, they'll on. eat anything. Yeah. <laughs> not to get on too much of a tangent, but there actually are dogs that can be trained to smell tumors. Yeah. Cancer-sniffing oh, dogs. Heard of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had heard of that. Yeah. I don't know much about that. There's way more uh, money in truffles, though. (laughs) (laughs) Sadly. Well, wouldn't you pay a lot of money for a dog to sniff you to find out if you had cancer? Depends on its demeanor. Especially considering what doctors have to do to us men when we get to a certain age in order to detect cancer. Would it also fetch my slippers and newspaper and pipe? 
I'm always checking for testicular cancer. A dog is busy saving lives, not <laughs> fetching your pipe. So should we talk about uh, some of the differences uh, in between skin cancer, breast cancer, leukemia? What's the biggest cancer killer in the world? What Lung, 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 lung. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like, from smoking? Like no, one is, no, no other kind is even close. Uh, no. Is that from smoking and pollution? or Overwhelmingly uh, smoking. About 100 years ago, it was pretty common for medical students, instructors to say, oh, the pathologist is doing an autopsy of a lung cancer next week, gentlemen. You should all be there. You may never see one in your career. Oh, I see. <laughs> Not so much these days. Not so much these days, yeah. And uh, the link between uh, lung cancer and smoking, well, it is the, the, the strongest risk factor link of any cancer that we know. Uh, the only stronger risk factor would be asbestos exposure mm. and okay. smoking. Oh, so, together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, um, in fact, in regressive countries like Canada, where asbestos is still mined, it's very <laughs> common for companies to actually require that if you are a smoker, you sign a waiver before you go down into the asbestos mines, understanding wow. that you have an outrageously high risk of getting pretty bad cancers, either lung cancer or mesothelioma, which is a cancer of the lining around the lung. Uh, the wow. black lung. Yeah, we talked about lung cancer a lot in our tobacco episode. Mm-hmm. And it's just astounding. In men, 90% of lung cancers are because of smoking. It's only 90? What's number two? Breast for women and then prostate for men. Okay. Right. All the naughty parts. Naughty bit cancer. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this is a fascinating thing, too. The number one cancer in women is breast cancer, but the number one cause of cancer death in women is lung cancer. So there's more cases of breast cancer, but higher survival rates. Yeah. So what is leukemia? Well, leukemias and lymphomas are cancers that arise from blood cells. And these typically arise within the marrow from blood cell precursors, or they can arise in the lymph nodes from white blood cells, which tend to live in the lymph nodes where they can hang out and sort of sample things that are coming by and say, whoa, that's bacteria. Let's get on top of that. Right. And this is why lymphoma um, typically involves the lymph nodes. And when your friend was describing her experience with cancer, she noticed a, a node behind her collarbone on the left. Okay. You know, there's lots of lymph nodes in there, and that's a pretty common site for cancer to end up, or in, or for lymphoma specifically, or in the lymph nodes in your neck. But it can, it can end up anywhere. It can up, end up in your brain. Um, it can end up in any organ. It can be pretty nasty if it gets out of control. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but leukemia is one of the major cancers in children. Like, yeah, kids the, get lots the, of lymphoma and leukemia. The vast majority of children. It's only because they haven't had a chance to be to addicted to smoking, cigarettes yeah. yet. Lymphoma is highly treatable in kids, and the prognosis is excellent. It's come a long way Plus in, those in the kids last get 50 spoiled. years, whereas it was a death sentence in the 1960s. This is how chemotherapy has come along in the last five decades. Anything gruesome about chemotherapy we should know? Yeah, I mean, chemotherapy is it's, uh, it's deadly poison. Yeah. Uh, this is the whole point. It's, yeah. <laughs> uh, and it specifically targets rapidly growing cells. So it's deadly poison for cancer and only slightly less than deadly poison for people. Right. And so the reason people lose their hair is because uh, hair follicles are undergoing rapid growth. So they're quite susceptible to chemotherapy oh. or people will get nausea. Uh, what about fingernails? Fingernails typically aren't lost okay. uh, during chemotherapy, but you can have shedding of the lining of your gut, um, which can so lead it's basically to radiation nausea. poisoning. It's uh, it's not entirely dissimilar, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just and it finding can, that like happy that like happy is probably the wrong word to use for that sweet spot where you don't kill the person but take care of. This, uh, but do kill the cancer. Do kill the cancer. Some cancer treatments, uh, the chemotherapy doesn't need to be nearly as aggressive as uh, as it has in the past. Although in lots of times, you know, the oncologist is going to hit you hard because you know it's very difficult to know if there are little clusters of cells. And so, right. let's crank up the dose. <laughs> Nuke them all from orbit. The actual chemo can actually burn you, can it not? Like the actual chemical. Uh, some types of chemotherapy, yeah, they can they can uh, induce uh, chemical burns on the skin, or they themselves are ironically carcinogenic agents, and you don't want to become in, you don't want to become in contact with them if you work in a, in a ah. cancer unit. So they're always handled very carefully. Yeah, let's stick that in my veins. Uh, but chemotherapy can be delivered intravenously. Some of it's orally, but primarily intravenously. Like who discovered chemotherapy? Who said, "Hey, let's take the super radioactive, deadly stuff and stick it in somebody's body, and that's going to cure cancer." Like it sounds. First, I don't think it's radioactive, is it? No, it's no. There, no. I mean, there are. I mean, in uh, nuclear medicine, there are certain radio emitters that uh, have been developed that target specific cell receptors. So, one of the treatments for, say, uh, Steve Jobs' cancer 
could have been something like what we would call a octreotide labeled with a beta emitter. And the octreotide sticks in somatostatin receptors, which is a growth hormone, yeah. well, which, and, which are highly proliferated on GEPnet tumors. And, and, and prostate cancer, they have those little like radioactive rods that they can stick in it to kind of shrink a tumor too, right? right? Yeah. Um, so that would be, that's called brachytherapy, but they put in radioactive beads. Radio- radioactive Benoit balls. <laughs> <laughs> and so what you do is you just saturate the receptors and the rest of it is just sort of excreted from the body, typically like through the kidneys. And uh, it's, it's, it's a very targeted kill. You said GEPnet. What is that? Oh, this gastroenteropancreatic neuroendocrine tumors. He said that earlier. I just wanted to be clear for all of our listeners at home. I understood it 100%. <laughs> so what about, the, what about the history of chemotherapy? started getting used in the 1940s. Uh, they first used nitrogen mustards and mm. folic acid antagonist drugs. And then they've been developing it since then into a multi-billion dollar industry. Yeah, it's, just, it's one of those things. Like about the, the first guy in Japan who said, hey, let's go eat that fugu fish that's killed a ton of people. I'm going to figure out how not to die by eating it. And then, you know, there was There's some, always one in every class, Kevin. Yeah, there's some scientist somewhere going, hey, let's poison the cancer cell and not quite poison the person. Actually, I've got it right here. So I noted that the first thing was nitrogen mustard. That's mustard gas. Yeah. And they did some autopsies on people who had been bombed by mustard gas. Uh-huh. A year into the start of their research on using nitrogen mustard, a German air raid in Bari, Italy, led to the exposure of more than 1,000 people to the SS John Harvey secret cargo composed of mustard gas bombs. Autopsies of the victims suggested that profound lymphoid and myeloid suppression had occurred after exposure. So what happened was there was an accidental exposure of this thing that they were looking for medical uses for it uh-huh. and they went in and they went well all these people who've been hit by it have th- their the lymphoid and the myeloid which you can explain what that is depressed uh blood cells white cells right. red cells so then they said well maybe that could be used to take oh, out cancer cells that's crazy is every medical advancement an accident or just the vast majority of them <laughs> the, the big leaps forward seem to be see it all seem to be totally accidental right like uh it, penicillin when he left the moldy thing next right. to the culture right the message is, have more accidents, people. Yeah. <laughs> or or don't just throw your accidents away. Oh, we waste all those mustard bombs. Well, send somebody in to clean them up. That's about as good as serendipity hey, gets. Reese's Pieces. Serendipity, serengas? You got your chocolate in my peanut butter. I got my peanut butter in your chocolate. A p- classic example. You got your nitrogen mustard in my lymphoma. <laughs> I'd like to talk about cancer scroti, or possibly scroti. Okay. Probably scroti. Uh, the first reported form of occupational cancer... Initially identified by English surgeon Percival Pott in uh-huh. 1775, also known as chimney sweeps cancer, a.k.a. sootwort. Okay. Oh, I like that one. Squamous cell carcinoma of the skin of the scrotum. Yeah, I don't like that. <laughs> uh, the name came about as it was initially noticed as prevalent among chimney sweeps. Pot wrote, The fate of these people seems peculiarly hard. In their early infancy, they are treated with great brutality and are almost starved with cold and hunger. They are thrust up narrow and sometimes hot chimneys where they are bruised, burned, and almost suffocated. And when they get to puberty, they become liable to most noisome, painful, and fatal disease. When they hit puberty, I like that part. <laughs> it is a disease which always makes its first attack on the inferior part of the scrotum, where it produces a superficial, painful, ragged, ill-looking sore with hard rising edges. In no great length of time, it pervades the skin. Yes, Kevin, you wanted to add something. There's no such thing as an inferior part of the scrotum. They're all... They're all wonderful works of art in I, the nature. I'm going to guess you're saying that because your entire scrotum is inferior. <laughs> I, there's parts of mine I like better than others. It pervades the skin, dartos, and membranes of the scrotum, and seizes the testicle, seizes it, which it enlarges, hardens, and renders truly and thoroughly distempered. Testicles should not be seized. Mm. Not not seized. <laughs> Except in a good way. Whence it makes its way up the spermatic process into the abdomen. Uh <laughs> What, what, Dr. Rob, what do you think is the uh, the cause? Why would a chimney sweep get this kind of cancer more than anybody else? Clearly, the uh, the soot has something to do with it. Um, right. And I know... Some sort of abrasion, constant rubbing, or... <laughs> 
I would think that probably decreased hygiene standards, that uh, soot would essentially probably saturate all the clothes and particularly, you know, the underclothes. And then there'd be constant exposure to tar and other known carcinogens in Ah. chimney smoke. Uh, Preceded by the development of hyperkeratotic lesions on the scrotum, which was what the sweeps called soot warts. Those hyperkeratotic lesions, those are the sorts of things you'll see, say, on the forehead of an old farmer who's been in the sun for years and years and just has that sort of scaly, rough skin on his face. Here's the most important part of the cancer scroti story. The soot warts could be benign. Sweeps often remove them themselves by trapping them in a split cane and cutting them off with a pocket knife. It's a little (laughs) self-surgery. All things old or new again. Yeah. Soot warts. Take that in your pipe and smoke it. report from 1996 it's not news-ish and it's kind of news it's newsy from the new england journal of medicine a 32 year old man underwent emergency surgery to remove a malignant fibrous histiocytoma histiocytoma um that's kind of a part of a a grab bag of tumors known as um under syndrome x oh nice Uh, yes (laughs) from planet x nice (laughs) and it's made of histiocytes which isn't Terribly helpful. They're, oh. they're a kind of a, they're a kind of cell line. Sounds okay. like a supervillain syndrome. Um, X. They're part of your your immune system. They're the cells that eat bad guys. Uh, malignant fibrous histiocytoma from his abdomen and died shortly thereafter of postoperative complications. During the operation, the fifty three year old surgeon injured the palm of his left hand while placing a drain. Okay, so the surgeon cut himself. The lesion was immediately disinfected and dressed. Five months later, the surgeon consulted a hand specialist because of a hard, circumscribed, tumor-like swelling, 1.2 inches in diameter, in his left palm at the base of his middle finger, where he had been injured during the operation. The tumor was completely excised. Histologic examination revealed that it was a malignant fibrous histiocytoma. Pathologists who investigated both the patient's tumor and the surgeon's tumor raised the question whether the tumors were identical. Wow, it's creepy. He gave himself a tumor. Yeah. Definitely possible. And this is one of the issues in in certain types of biopsies. You have to be very careful where you biopsy and uh, how you go about doing that. Just don't do it in the kitchen sink. You can can track malignant cells through non-affected compartments. Ooh. Uh, So, so for instance, uh, when um, surgeons are are taking a bone biopsy for an osteosarcoma, the understanding is that at the cancer surgery, which will happen later, that entire compartment will have to be surgically resected. So if they go in, what does that mean, resected? Take it all out. It's not like joining a cult. I got resected. <laughs> all right, I got one from uh, a website called The Daily Dust, which uh, describes themselves as delivering the best bric-a-brac. Mm-hmm. The Daily Mail, and I, uh, I think is a tabloid-esque paper over there. I guess they have over the years claimed a lot of things cause cancer. They've collected the 20 strangest things that the Daily Mail says will cause cancer. Ooh, this sounds good. What uh, brought this article together is just this past week, the Daily Mail claimed that Facebook causes cancer. Oh, all right. (laughs) So they're not even at the level of, oh, no, the toxins. Our friends over in England call it the Daily Fail. 
<laughs> yeah, they claim that the social networking site could raise your risk of serious health problems by reducing levels of face-to-face contact. Which you would have to walk to? And this is carcinogenic how? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. This, it, at least this way you're not being like exposed to their cancerous cells. <laughs> You know, like this doctor was. <laughs> Maybe uh, some cathode It's cancer by omission. If I stay at home, I can't accidentally cut myself while putting a drain in you. Yeah, yeah. precisely. <laughs> Anybody want to hazard uh, some guesses as to some of the things the Daily Mail has claimed? <laughs> Do we get hints? I'll uh, take a shot. Telephones? Cell phones. Oh, of course. Sure. Of course, yeah. sure, of course yes. that's a given. Chocolate? Or, yeah, I think chocolate is on here. Hold Asbestos. On. No, no, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Chocolates and bagged snacks are being pulled from shop shelves after potential cancer-causing toxins were found in a batch of rice flour. My favorite uh, was number six on the list, oral sex. Oh. Worth it. Actually, (laughs) probably true. Oral sex raises your risk of throat cancer, scientists have warned. A new study found the sex addicts can pass on, pass on the human papillomavirus, which can trigger a specific type of throat cancer in both men oh, yeah. and HPV, women. Oh, yeah, HPV, which we talked about during our uh, STD, STI episode. In fact, rates as sexual mores are relaxing. Mores, the eels? <laughs> uh, I got and, a sexual more. Uh, and more and more oral sex is happening. Uh, in the last 20 years, we've seen a dramatic spike. Um, I've got a dramatic spike. In throat... In, <laughs> That's what led to throat or, cancer. Oral sex gives me a dramatic spike. Yeah. yeah. In in throat cancer, and uh, it seems that males are particularly more vulnerable to this than females. Uh, vitamin E pills, which uh, have been claimed to lower your prostate cancer risk, may actually increase your prostate cancer risk. <laughs> if you take a lot. How many do so I have to take? you can kind of like OD on vitamin E. So they've done some studies. Uh, one started in 2001. They, started, they launched the Selenium and Vitamin E Cancer Prevention Trial. And they studied, they enrolled 35,000 healthy men, 50 years and older, at 400 sites in the United States, Canada, and Puerto Rico. So a nice big sample size. Mm-hmm. It became clear that it would not produce the 25% cancer reduction it was designed to show. They found no benefit. Oh. And more importantly, it showed a 17% increase in prostate cancer. But basically, take that, vitamin fanatics. Yeah, take vitamin E because it will solve your prostate cancer problems. Oh, wait, no, it doesn't. It makes it worse. But wait, what is vitamin E good for? Absolutely nothing. Say it again. (laughs) Isn't vitamin E what you can put on your skin if you get like a bite or a sunburn? Oh, yeah. It helps with scarring, right? Like topical vitamin E. Yeah. They tell you to put that on your skin. It helps you with... uh, Yeah, aloe vera is vitamin E. It's really turning out that if you eat a North American diet, you're probably getting all the vitamins you need and you don't need to supplement. And all you're doing, as as Skeptic's Guide to the Universe likes to point out, all you're doing by buying multivitamins is just making expensive urine. Because it just Ooh. all gets flushed right out. Oh, now I want to get some expensive urine. <laughs> uh, public service announcement. Da-da-da-da! Five th- this is from crack.com, a humor site with all sorts of great information. Five things they say give you cancer and why they're wrong. This is uh, also our new segment, Bullshit or Not. Hint, <laughs> they're all bullshit. <laughs> number one, or, sorry, number five, cell phones. And we can kind of go over, I'm going to go over these briefly, but basically the radiation coming off a cell phone is not nuclear radiation that's going to ionize. It's not going to... Right, right? ionizing radiation, which can knock an electron out of an atomic orbit. And in the cell, I mean, you're mostly water. So what that will do is create free radicals, which can then cascade and create lots of free radicals. And if that happens in the nucleus, it can cause all all kinds of damage to DNA, which that leads to the... um, production of uh, cancer cells from the chemical mutation. Well, let me ask you one question, because I worked with this girl at one point in time who was one of those kinds of people who talked on their cell phone 24 hours a day. Even when they were in the office, she wouldn't talk on the landline. She would talk on her cell phone. And one time I was in the break room and kind of just getting like a drink of water, and she was talking on her phone. Like she had long hair, and she pulled her hair back. And right behind her ear, the ear that she talks on her cell phone with, Mm -hmm. was uh, about the size of a loony, was this perfectly smooth hairless patch I, I can guess what that was hairless from. patch right behind her ear and i said uh i think you need to talk on your cell phone a lot less and she went well as soon as i noticed this i changed ears was her response yeah so what would cause a hairless patch heat probably and the 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 rubbing of the the cell phone pushing up against the ear okay and then the the pinna which is the external part of the ear rubbing on that patch of skin 
hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. All right, so it's a physical explanation yeah. as opposed to a, a radio. Yeah. Not much different mark. if you say like a nervous person who's always scratching your head and yeah. you're uh, you start to induce a bit of thinning. We were at a council meeting in Maple Ridge talking yeah. about uh, Wi-Fi, which With is very council similar. Council of Wizards. Uh, yeah, the uh, their city council. Okay. And they were talking about the safety of cell phone towers and Wi-Fi and things like that. And Dr. Rob had this excellent chart that showed the, the power levels of, of the different types of radiation up to ionizing. Uh, so you start off with ionizing and then you go down to, is it visible light is next or, well, ultraviolet? Yeah, ultraviolet is, is where the energy of a photon passes the threshold of one electron volt, which is the lowest energy that can knock an electron out of orbit right. with, with a, from a nuclear interaction. So, so that's why a sunburn can give you cancer yeah. or, or too much sun can give you cancer because it does have ultraviolet and it can do that ionizing and knock those electrons out and cause all those problems. But then as you go down, you get to visible light, which doesn't have enough energy to do it. And then you go down like several orders of magnitude. How many orders? Right. It was like six down to cell yeah. phone and Wi-Fi? Yeah, yeah. about a million times less energetic. A million times less energy than visible light. It's safer than visible light and has way less energy than visible light. Where does so, ice cream stand on that scale? It's not an <laughs> energy. Oh. So uh, what I should do, I'm okay to go and make my crown of cell phones then yeah. from this point forward. No problem. No that, problem. You got your Halloween Just costume. Just don't drive with it. Number uh, four is artificial sweeteners. <laughs> Aspartame? Uh, I heard yeah. that's the devil's work. Yeah, everybody says this. Uh, lots of people who seem to think chemicals are bad, they forget the fact that they are made up of chemicals. So it doesn't really work. But it's not natural. We're made Aspartame of- is not natural. The American Cancer Society actually has to have a special page up that basically, to sum it up, it says, stop bugging us about aspartame. It doesn't cause cancer. Nice. Well, I guess they would I mean, know. It's really that much. Good like, times. I can now drink as much Diet Coke as I want. The only way that you can think that it causes cancer, despite them saying that, is to believe that there's a massive cover-up that even people who are in cancer research because their families have had cancer and they're like driven almost super heroic scientists trying to find cures and they've discovered that it causes cancer and they've gone well let's let's cover it up because we might get paid by big aspartame it's ridiculous we've also got number three microwave ovens again they're just too low powered my grandma thinks they cause cancer if you, uh, if your you, grandma's an idiot. <laughs> if you open the microwave before the the clock has gotten to zero, oh, yeah. she flips the f out and runs out of the room. It's awesome. <laughs> How fast does you, can your grandma run? Oh, she's got a bad hip. It's very sad. <laughs> That's why she gets ah, really closet, mad. Closet, closet. <laughs> your grandma's Irish, right? <laughs> she is now. Closet arm thing. <laughs> I'm getting cancer. I can feel it. <laughs> In fact, microwaves, which are about 900 megahertz, are in the same range as cell phone and Wi-Fi. And ice cream. Yeah. But, I mean, <laughs> what microwaves do is they speed up kinetic energy. So they actually have an atomic-level interaction, which is why they can heat up things. In Again, weird spots. Yeah, and if you stand in front of, say, a high-powered microwave tower, you can get deep thermal burns, uh, which is not desirable. But... Um, <laughs> So you sometimes hear this argument, well, sometimes birds fly in front of those things and just drop out of the sky, and you're telling me it's not dangerous? I didn't say that. (laughs) It's the difference between a candle in a cupcake and a forest fire, right? Right. Just because a forest fire will burn you to death doesn't mean that you shouldn't put birthday candles on your birthday cake. Number two would be power lines, computer monitors, pretty much anything with electricity. Again, it's not giving up off the type of radiation that can possibly uh, ionize. Yeah, but Tesla's dead. (laughs) That's right. Everybody from 100 years ago that has ever dealt with any kind of electricity is dead. Can't argue with that logic. Mm -hmm. And number one, fluoridated water. Oh, I've had arguments on the internet about this. Are people claiming that fluoridated water causes cancer, or are they claiming that fluoridated water controls our minds? Both. Depending, Depending on how crazy and ignorant you are, yeah. Um, the only bad thing I could find out about fluoridated water when I started figuring out people were saying this and I thought, well, let me find out if it's true before I argue with them because I do love arguing on the internet. Mm-hmm. The that's only sure. bad thing that's happened to when they started fluoridating everybody's water supply back in the 40s and 50s, Their I think teeth it got was. so shiny, everyone was blinded. And back when they did, they weren't sure if it was safe or not. 
So they, they, they hadn't way. done the research, right? Right. So it was probably a morally wrong choice at that time to put this chemical in the water but then because they didn't know. But now that we've had fluoridated water in millions and millions of people's houses for 50, 60 years, we've got so much in the way of numbers to look at and to compare between incredibly similar populations where the only difference is that one population has been drinking fluoridated water and the other one hasn't. And there's like no difference. Everybody's fine. Fluoridated water can color your teeth if you get too much of it. That's it. What color? Reddy brown. And the greater Vancouver Regional District does not fluoridate its water because of fluoridation kooks. Yeah. We've never fluoridated. And we do, in fact, have higher rates of cavities. So if you're going to your dentist and you're in the GVRD and they offer you the fluoride treatment, take it. it. Hmm. Now, here's the big question. Yeah, huh? Bubblegum flavor or mint? Oh, bubblegum every time. Oh, mint. I try and get the, the flavorless stuff. I can't stand those other flavors. I actually had chocolate once. I had banana ones. Good, I had marshmallow ones. Weird. That was the best. The dentist. <laughs> you want to swallow feels it. Feels wrong. <laughs> yeah. Lesser of two evils. What's a fifty-fifty cancer? Colon cancer. With okay. A mild to moderate stage. Colon cancer with a fifty-fifty shot of uh, survival. And even if you do survive, it's probably going to be chemo and terrible and all that other yeah, stuff. Well, yeah. Well, exactly. The the cure is arguably worse than the disease. No, I'll, mm, I'll, I'll I won't go that far. No. <laughs> the, the cure sucks. Let's say that. Yeah, sucks. <laughs> it sucks. Colon. Let's go back. Let's flash back to the follow-ups episode and refer to that bear attack oh, where. Man. This Russian woman got a phone call from her daughter while she was being eaten by a bear. So this is not you're being eaten by a bear. You're the person on the phone listening to your listening to your dearest, closest loved one being yeah. eaten by, by a bear. bear. Yeah. For yeah. what, an hour was it? Yeah. Three it was, different calls? Let's yeah. let's say an hour, yeah. Okay. Hour on the phone for some reason you can't. How many stages of grief can you go through in an hour? Wow. All of them. <laughs> I all of them. Probably probably be kind of slow. You do a few and then or you do them like for a minute each and then you loop back around and do them again they'd be faster and by the end of it you'd just be a whirling dervish of massive stages of grief right this it sounds psychiatric is sound. one of the worst lesser two evils we've come up with yet you say that every time do i say it every time does it get worse every, every time, time. <laughs> well here's the question if in this scenario with the bear who is the person you're talking to if your for closest each of us, loved one. the answer will be different your closest right. loved one so that's what i'm saying the person you care do we want to specify most. that i well i'm not gonna say on the air who's my favorite relative <laughs> or friend yeah no no you know i'm not gonna to the exclusion of all others Oh, well. To keep Mike from turning off my mic, I'll probably say Michael, my brother. That's cheating then. Yeah. But your closest, uh, most dearest relative or friend. All right. I'm going to go with the cancer. Because the cancer, I got a 50-50 shot. Whereas when you're on the phone with your friend who's being eaten by a bear, they they, they don't have that 50-50 shot. Like, they got maybe like a 10% shot or 5% shot, right? So the cancer's going to be painful. Oh, yeah. The treatment's going to be painful. Really painful, yeah. And how long will it go on for? Like a year or years or... Six months. Well, be the, I mean, there'll be at least one surgery, mm-hmm. uh, assuming it's resectable. And if it's a fifty percent survival cancer, there's a good shot at you know, that. It's, it's there's going to be resectability there, depending on how much colon they have to remove. You could be looking at an ostomy for a while. Oh. You could be looking at a permanent ostomy. That's the bag, right? That's the bag. Uh huh. And you're certainly looking at chemotherapy and radiotherapy. Here's what I do. You I, are going to be one sick mofo. I take the cancer. And then I go to my loved one's house who didn't get eaten by a bear and say, you owe me. You owe me an anus. <laughs> I, I need I've a come do- to I collect. Need a, I need a donor anus because they're going to have to cut mine out. I've got a spare in the pantry. And I, and I figure, you know, at least your anus isn't being eaten by a bear. So you're coming out on top. Precisely. So give me. Darn, what do you think? How do you fall in this uh, in this question? Where do you come down on? I don't on... feel comfortable answering this question. Then I know your answer. Okay, <laughs> let's move on. Do we want to give Dr. No, Rob this a go? Is, this is the number reason why we don't name that loved one or friend. So that Deanna, Deanna, I am so sorry. I'm so, so sorry. He'll About learn the to love again. I warned you not to go camping. <laughs> I said it was dangerous. I I really have no I have no question I'll take the cancer. I just I can't the pain that I would feel from that cancer and the pain from the chemo would n- that be nothing compared to the rest of my life with that one hour of knowledge and the one hour of guilt being known that I had this choice to make and I chose to be selfish. I just couldn't do it. I couldn't oh, that do it. Does put an interesting wrinkle on it cuz somehow if you take the phone call you are in this alternate universe scenario, yeah, you are triggering a, that death. There's a phone ringing. 
<laughs> if you pick it up, it's your number one loved one being eaten by a bear. If you don't, you get cancer, but they're fine. Oh, I take the cancer every time. Yeah. What a it's, burden it's, having it's, a conscience uh, is. I think I'd weasel out and not charge my cell phone <laughs> yeah. or change the number. <laughs> See, I'm that's just, a, I'm just yeah, getting rid of cancer. My, it's an honest but terrible phones. answer. Uh, pop culture? If I had a tumor, I'd name it Marla. It's very Fight Club of you. And also uh, testicular cancer, the uh, group that he first joined. Fight Club is one of my favorite movies of all time, so oh, yeah. this is a great place to start. One it's of the, the few areas you and I agree. Yeah, ultimate 10 out of 10s. But he didn't have cancer. No. He just went to the sport groups. To meet women? No. No, because he couldn't sleep. Peace of mind. Peace of mind. So he'd, he'd get peace of mind, and then he'd be able to sleep like a baby. Oh, so did he go to one support group, and then he loved support groups so much that he just went to all of them? Yeah. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, he was a... Uh, he became a support was, group addict. Yeah, it was kind of his therapy, right? He could go to testicular cancer and openly cry in a room full of other men, <laughs> and he would get re- relief. In his own words, uh, babies don't sleep this good after his yeah. first support group, right? And so that's how he unburdened himself, in spite of the fact that he wasn't suffering from the same thing everybody else in the room was suffering from. That's that's uh, That doesn't hold any water with me, because of the babies I've known, babies do not sleep well. <laughs> they are fucking noisy all through the night. Well, when, that's when the number one sleep. complaint of new parents. Um, the... the <laughs> The other cancer moment in Fight Club is when he's at the support group for um, just other cancer survivors, and there's the woman who's late stage, and she gets up there and asks for a sexual partner. Oh, yeah. yeah. I just want to get laid one I more have time. lubes and anal nitrates and uh, dildos, and I'm ready. And then they'll shut her microphone off and like, okay, thanks very much. <laughs> Torn and I went and saw 50-50 this week. How was the that? Seth Rogen cancer movie. They do this great balancing act between comedy and tragedy, and right? that's got um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is the star, it. and uh, it. I uh, really like him. Where do we know him from? Uh, he was Third Rock from the Sun. He was the, oh, he was the okay. kid. He was also in Inception. Excellent as a uh, or somebody who gets a cancer on a, in his spine, and uh, they have to do this very aggressive chemo, and yeah. he shaves his head, and yet again goes to prove my theory that every movie that Seth Rogen is the leading man in stinks, and every movie that he is the supporting cast member in is good. I honestly didn't know what the ending was going to be. I didn't know if he was going to live or die throughout the movie. I honestly didn't know kind either. Kind of a 50-50. Yeah. No, it's maybe they made an alternate movie. movie, alternate ending, just like... Oh, maybe they'll have a DVD, like Clue. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. With an alternate and ending, this one, he... yeah. It's actually set on, uh, based on a true story. That's oh, okay. A very close friend of Seth Rogen's got cancer, and then that's when they decided to write this movie. Green Mile. Yeah, there's cancer mentioned in that. Michael Clark Dun- Duncan is convicted of raping killing two young, two young white girls. He's on death row. And he has this magic power where he can swallow people's diseases and take mm-hmm. their burdens on for them and all the rest of that stuff. So, like this kind of idiot savant. Like, he's not educated. He's not very smart. He has no guile, right? Mm-hmm. And James Cromwell uh, plays the warden, and he's got a large brain tumor. And he took it back. He takes it back. Well, and he takes back Tom Hanks as some disease. Yeah, it's like a urinary yeah. problem of some kind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And he, he absorbs all their diseases, and, and then they come out in, like, you know, these black dots that come out of his mouth. These are some sick mm-hmm. prison guards. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like everybody's got some kind of disease that needs to be... And then one of them's a psycho. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Sam Rockwell as the as cow, the cowboy, whatever his face was. Mm-hmm. Another as, amazing performance from him. He's so One of my good. favorite actors. Yeah, or he's an actual serial killer. Uh, somebody wrote down funny people. Who has cancer in that? Adam Sandler. Oh. And that's why uh, he realized that he doesn't have any friends, and he uh, you know, hires Seth Rogen to help him out, and then confides oh. in him that he has cancer, and Seth Rogen gets wrapped up in him, and he becomes his like only friend, right? Hmm. There have been a bunch, of, uh, a bunch of television shows that have covered cancer. Uh, the, no- the number one that pops to my mind, awesome show, and it's, it becomes the catalyst for the entire action in the show is Breaking Bad. Oh, right. right, of course. So Breaking Bad's about uh, high school chem. It starts off being about high school chemistry teacher Walter White, who gets lung cancer. He gets- So because he's a high school, co- uh, high school chemistry teacher, he doesn't make a lot of money. And so this lung cancer is very advanced. He's in big, big trouble. And he doesn't have anything he's going to leave for his children and his family after he's gone. And due to a bunch of things that happened to him, he recognizes that uh, methamphetamines is a pretty high-profit industry. And he is a brilliant chemist, and he hatches a plot to start cooking meth in order to make enough money to take care of his family after he's gone. Make enough quick money. Yeah, quick money. How many seasons has this had? Four. 
And he's not dead yet? As a matter of fact, uh, he ends up making so much money, he can pay for an, a highly expensive experimental procedure to target his uh, cancer. Spoiler alert, there's four seasons. It ends up working. <laughs> but all sorts of other things happen, so he continues to do this. And Breaking Bad is a term for your life taking a turn for the worse, mm. like you doing bad things. And that's what this show is about. So he's this one... You could almost say moral choice, like I'm going to do this bad Mm. in order to do extra good for my family because I'm going to die. You can kind of understand that. But then that just follows him right down this dark path. And it gets really, really great. This is a show everybody needs to watch. It is so good. I watched the first half of season one and turned it off, vowing never to watch it again. It annoyed the hell out of me. Wow. Every time something else came up, I just rolled my eyes, and it was beyond a logic to me because in it, he employs a former student of his who'd become a meth cook and a meth dealer, yeah, in order to be his partner so that he can help him navigate through the underworld, like the criminal side right. of things, and then he'll just take care of the the chemical side of things, yep. and it would be a perfect partnership. And in spite of the fact that he's supposed to have this seasoned drug dealer, well, he's and, not that seasoned. Well, he's he's also fact, a drug addict. Yeah, except for the fact that when he finds him, he's like the hottest, you know, methamphetamine dealer in town, and he's always super right. busy and super successful and making tons of money and blah, blah, blah. Yet when he partners up with him, absolutely everything goes wrong every single time. Anything can happen that could yeah. possibly go wrong. I didn't buy into it one way, shape, or form or another. I couldn't wrap my mind around it. Okay. Terms of Endearment. That's a pretty famous cancer movie, right? I haven't seen it. No, I haven't seen it. What, right. what are the terms? There was a lot of crying. Jack Nicholson... Uh, driving a car on the beach, Shirley MacLaine. I remember being very adult and me not being very adult. Like, I kind of briefly saw some of it, but that's... The same reason I didn't watch 30-something when I was 20-something? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, maybe some of our listeners who uh, have watched it recently can chime in on CausticSodaPodcast.com. Yeah, go to the website and give us a, uh, give us a review. Uh, one of my favorite animated shows right now is Archer. Which is about a uh, kind of spoiled smartmouth super spy oh, named yeah? Sterling Archer. It's fantastic. It's I've, so funny. I've actually heard good things about it from a couple of different people. It's on my voiced list. by Coach McGurk from Home Movies. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, in season two, he ends up contracting uh, contracting breast cancer. Uh, has to go through chemotherapy, and they cover it over two or three episodes, actually. Oh, really? And it's, It becomes an actual story arc, not it just does, contained. does, yeah. And what happens is uh, his chemo ends up not being chemo because there's some kind of uh, gang that's been, like, stealing it to sell it on the street and replacing <laughs> it with junk. And because he's a smart mouth, can super competent agent with a license to kill, he just, I'm going to go find these guys and kill them all. So he just like, while he's going through chemotherapy, he's got his do-rag on, he's constantly smoking medical marijuana, he's just patrolling the streets and following up leads to find these guys, and then torturing and killing them in order to find out who their boss was. It's And it's hilarious the whole way through. Nice. And a big reason he does this is because a woman that he met in chemotherapy, this old lady, uh, was really nice to him, and it's one of the few people in the entire series that he's actually nice to and likes. Uh-huh. Because he's such a spoiled brat. And so he's, she dies because her chemo is no good. That's oh, why. So he goes to get vengeance for all of them. And it's, that does sound like a laugh riot. <laughs> it, but that's what's so great about the show is that they can do that and make it hilarious. Yeah. Any other TV? Uh, Battlestar Galactica. President Laura Roslin had breast cancer uh, and a year yeah. live when the show began. Cured by Cylon. Cylon razor beam. Half, laser beams. Half Cylon, half human blood. Oh, okay. Like the the half silent, hi- half human baby. Apparently, injecting the baby's blood into her. We should her have called cancer. our podcast "Spoiler Alert." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's also uh, the Insider and Thank You for Smoking, both of which we covered in our tobacco episode. Yeah. Word. I got a comic. I like to uh, thank our intern for this episode, Raymond Welt. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wanted to mention our cancer year. Remember Harvey Picard? Oh, right, oh, yeah. of course. Yeah, yeah, he mentions it in the movie. Yeah, American Splendor, the movie. Yeah. That was his comic book, American Splendor. Tells the painful and touching tale of his discovery that he has lymphoma and must begin chemotherapy. The comic that instantly jumped to my mind when talking about cancer is the uh, original Captain Marvel's death in The Death of Captain Marvel. Uh, one of the first graphic novels I can remember ever seeing. Which Captain Marvel is this? It was the very first Captain Marvel from Marvel Comics. He had the blonde hair and the energy bracelets. Oh, right, yeah. Right. Uh, right. And the starburst on his chest. Yeah. In 1982, it was by Jim Starlin. One of the first conglomerate, like, I don't know what you call it, like massive team-up books that they ever did. Like, pretty much every single character in the Marvel Universe showed up 
and a whole bunch of the super scientists from the Marvel Universe show up to try to cure cancer. They can't, and he ends up dying at the end, and Marvel said, and he's going to stay dead. We know that this normally doesn't mean anything. This story means something. Uh, another good one is uh, John Constantine, who is uh, Hellraiser. The, oh, the Hellblazer. Sorry. Hell, Hellblazer, yeah. And he uh, he's constantly smoking, like he's wearing a trench coat and smoking through all of the all of the comics he's in. And they finally wrote a story where he contracts lung cancer, but he ends up tricking the devil into giving him eternal life. Oh, so he's fine. So all wouldn't you, that be uh, a really shitty life though? <laughs> having cancer for your entire well, with, without cancer. Oh, I see. so everybody out there with cancer, all you got to do is trick the devil. Thank you.